You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Titus. Titus chapter 3. We're going to wrap up this morning this wonderful little study um, what it looks like to be a biblically healthy church. I hope that you received a bulletin when you came in this morning. And I want you to pull that bulletin out. I want you to look on the very front cover. And I want you to see where we have been focusing over the last several weeks, seven weeks to be exact. This is our seventh message out of this wonderful little book. The book of Titus teaches us that a biblically healthy church is led by biblically healthy leaders who is filled with biblically healthy members who are sending, receiving, and supporting missionaries. This morning, I want to focus on that last part. Being a healthy church, a biblically healthy churches, church who is sending and receiving and supporting missionaries. That is the title of my message this morning. You know, an athlete that practices gets better, right? All the football coaches right now are saying amen to that statement. Parents of, of uh, football players are saying amen to that statement. Like, get to summer workouts because as you practice, you will get better. Basketball players, as they practice, they will get better. As individuals practice, that individual gets better. As a team practices, that team gets better. But no one practices for the purpose of getting better alone. No one hits the gym. No one runs the track just to get better. Everyone is getting better for a greater purpose than getting better. They are practicing. They are working hard to win at whatever sport they are practicing. Right? A football team practices not just to get better, but to win a state championship or uh, in the NFL, a, a Super Bowl. A basketball team practices to win the, the NBA championship. A baseball team practices not just to get better individually or as a team, but to, to win the, uh, the, the uh, I know this one, Major League All-Star, not the World Series. I don't know why that one went blank on me. I love baseball. It's just the Rangers aren't going to be there this year, so I guess I've, been, I've already blocked it out of my mind. Soccer teams practice to win whatever. The, who cares what soccer is, right? Who watches? Anybody, anybody watch soccer or hockey, World Cup? Is that hockey, World Cup? The what? Stanley Cup. So we, we practice as a team to win the championship, whatever that, that championship is. And I believe what the Apostle Paul is saying here, what he's teaching us in our text, is that we must devote ourselves 
to getting out of the church, if you will, out of the church huddle and get into the ministry of missions. I believe that's what the Apostle Paul is wrapping up this one little letter. He's been saying, man, this is what a healthy church looks like. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, he's saying, he's saying this word, this instruction comes from the authority of God. This is what it looks like to be a biblically healthy church. You must first have a biblically healthy leader and the leaders on down. You must be willing to call out false teaching, not just to call out and separate, but to call it out with the intent, with the sole intent of drawing them back in to the truth. And then you must, and we looked at it from chapter 2 to, 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 to chapter 3, verse 11, what it looks like to be biblically healthy church members. And then today in our text, verses 12 through 15, biblically healthy church is sending, receiving, and supporting missionaries. Go with me there. Titus chapter 3, verse 12. Let's, let's read it. Let's look at it. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you. How would you like to have that name? <laughs> Tychicus. Make every effort to come to me, the Apostle Paul says, in Nicopolis, because I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs. I want to encourage you to, to highlight that in your Bible. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. Father, I pray Oh, as we look at your word, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds to be able to receive the truth of your word. Father, I pray that you would mold and shape the way we think about missions, about the call that you have placed on each one of us individually, and the call that you have placed on us as a local church to be busy about mission. Shape us, mold us into that truth. It's in your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. First thing I want you to see that I believe the Apostle Paul is pointing out here is a, <clears throat> is a biblically healthy church is a missionary sending and receiving church. Point number one, biblically healthy church is a missionary sending and receiving church. Again, look what he says in verse 12 of Titus 3. He's talking to Titus, knowing that the whole church, all of the Christians are, are, going, are either hearing it at this moment, or they are going to hear these words. He's saying, when I send, the Apostle Paul is modeling for us, I am, I am sending a brother to you. It's either going to be Artemis or Tychicus. And as they come to you, 
Titus. I know you have invested your heart. I know you have been investing your life uh, for, to, to raise up all of these leaders on the island of Crete, to have a pastor in every single one of these towns, to, to raise up biblically healthy churches. I know that's been your heart. I know that's been your passion. But as I send one of these missionaries to you, I want you to come to me. I want you to make every effort, he says. I, 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 don't, I don't want this just to be a second thought, Titus. I want you to make every effort. That means I want you to find financial means to be able to travel to me in Decapolis. I want you to come to me in Decapolis because I have decided to spend the winter there. And we have no idea what the Apostle Paul was wanting Titus for. I don't know if he was wanting to continue to invest in this Paul-Titus relationship, this, this discipleship relationship, or if he was wanting to give Artemis or, or Tychicus, one of them, an opportunity to, uh, to lead some of these churches. We don't know. But all we do know is the Apostle Paul is giving us, in the context of what a biblically healthy church looks like, he is giving us a picture. He's giving us a model of missions, sending, and receiving. He is saying, knowing that the church is going to hear this, I am sending you some missionaries. I want you to receive them well, but I also want you to send out from you somebody that you love, namely Titus. I want you to send him out back to me. Do you see that? The Apostle Paul has given us a beautiful picture of what it looks like here to be a biblically healthy church. It's just this wonderful model. He's saying, Titus, reinforcements are coming. Some others are going to come and be a part of the work that you have started. I know, Titus, it probably seems overwhelming to you when you think of this of this island that, that has just a few Christians and thousands upon thousands of people who are religious, but they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. He is encouraging him, I believe, and saying, some help is on the way. One of these two men, Artemis, who we have no other record of uh, in the Bible, uh, either Artemis is going to come or Tychicus. Uh, Tychicus, now, we, we do have a record of Tychicus, and I believe this is a picture. I believe we have this man who we know nothing about, Artemis, and we have Tychicus who, who we see in Scripture. And I'm going to share a couple of Scriptures with you here in just a moment, but I believe what we're seeing here is a discipleship relationship. Artemis is, don't know this for sure because we have no other record, but possibly a, a new leader in the church, and he is partnering him with Tychicus and saying, man, one of these two guys I am going to send to you. Acts chapter 20, verse 4, you don't have to turn there, but the Acts chapter 20, verse 4 tells us that Tychicus went with the Apostle Paul on the missionary journey to Corinth in Asia Minor. Uh, he was alongside him. So just like you would hear about Paul and Timothy or, or Paul and Titus uh, on that journey to, the, uh, to these churches in Corinth, he, it was Paul and Tychicus. Tychicus is the one that delivered the Apostle Paul's letter. He was the, uh, he was the runner, if you will, with the letter uh, to the churches at Colossae and also Ephesus. 
So he would have watched the Apostle Paul pen these letters and then say, say, Tychicus, I want you to deliver the Word of God to these churches. And Tychicus was faithful over and over and over, shown himself faithful. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about Tychicus. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. And the reason I put this out is I want you to know that when we're involved in missions, we must know who we are involved with. There must be some type of relationship there, not just, not just flippantly sending out resources with somebody we know absolutely nothing about. Listen to what the Apostle Paul, before he sends Tychicus to Crete, Look at what he already knows about him. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother. He knows, number one, that he is a follower of Christ. He calls him a brother, a brother in Christ. Not only is he a follower of Christ, he is a faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord. This is what he's saying. I, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant of the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. Here it is again. I have sent him. The Apostle Paul says he's just modeling this wonderful picture of missions. And then if you turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, it's another reference of Tychicus. It almost looks identical to Colossians. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord. See, the Apostle Paul is not just sending some ragtag group of people somebody doesn't know anything about. He is sending someone he knows is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, someone who has proven himself to be a servant of the Lord. I wonder if you ever, if you ever think about what motivated the Apostle Paul to be about the mission of spreading the gospel to the known world. What motivated the Apostle Paul to, to reach out to Timothy and share the gospel with him, to reach out to Tychicus and Artemis and, and, and Titus to share the gospel and then raise them up to be faithful believers? What is it that motivated him to spread the gospel? To not just practice to be a better Christian, but to be about being in the game, if you will. About getting out of the huddle and spreading the gospel to the known world. I'll believe the first reason that we can see is this, that Paul never lost his awe of God. The Apostle Paul never lost his awe, his awe of God. This morning, we just got through singing this wonderful song about a good, good father. And you see that picture all the way throughout Scripture. Can I tell you, it is a sad day in our Christian faith. For us individually, much less it's a sad day for us as a church when we lose our awe of God. Apostle Paul never lost his, eye of, uh, his awe of God, and he never lost his awe of God's grace. The Apostle Paul was constantly, daily, personally reminded of what it was like, what it used to be like to be religious 
but without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul remembered what it was like, if you will, to be lost. He remembered this, this battle of religion, all of these, the rules of religion without a relationship. He remembered that he was dead in his sins at one time, but Jesus Christ saved him by his grace. Listen to this, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. It's a really good picture of this idea that the Apostle Paul never lost his awe of God's grace. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says this, but everything, the Apostle Paul says, that was gained to me. He's just been looking back over his life of, of his pedigree, if you will, of all of the social victories that, that, that he had won. The, uh, uh, the, 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 the personal victories that, that a culture would look at and say, oh man, you are a champion. The Apostle Paul looks at all of those without Christ and he says, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because of him. I have suffered the loss of all things. Watch what he says. And I consider them as dung. Everything the culture would say, Paul, Paul, you have reached victory. You have the status of championship. He wouldn't have said it as Paul. He would have said it as Saul. It's before he became a Christian. The Apostle Paul says, I've lost all of that. But do you know what? I, I consider it all dung, pile of manure, if you will, rubbish, some of our translations will say. I consider them all as dung, watch this, so that I may gain Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul personally, daily, is reminded about legalism. And he said, man, I, everything that I had worked for, everything that, that the culture said you must have to be, to be at this type of level, I had it, but I lost it all, and I consider it all done. And any day of the week, I would throw it away so that I could gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. The Apostle Paul never lost sight of his awe of God's grace. He knew what it was like to be religious without a relationship. And he also knew that there were thousands and thousands upon thousands who were just like him. I wonder if not only us individually or maybe even as a church has lost our awe of God's grace and we have also lost, we have forgotten that there are still lost people all around us. And without the good news, without accepting the good news, they will die and spend an eternity in hell. 
Apostle Paul knows that there's thousands of people around him. They know the name of God, but they hadn't surrendered their lives to him. Paul never lost his awe of God. He never lost his awe of God's grace. But watch this. He never lost his awe of the gospel. You know, sometimes we've been a Christian for a long time. We've attended church for a long time. We, it's easy for us to lose the awe of the gospel. That, that we, we tell people about Jesus and they just reject and they reject and they say, oh yes, I have accepted Him, but they live a life that says they haven't really accepted Him. The Apostle Paul never lost his awe of the gospel. Why? Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Listen, listen to the passion of the Apostle Paul here. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why, Paul? Why are you not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. In other words, Paul is saying this, there is no one who thinks they are so good that the gospel can't save them. And there is no one who is so bad that thinks that Jesus would never save them. No, the gospel reaches both. Those who think they are good, but they're lost, and those who are wretched and know it and are lost. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that gospel because I know it can reach both. Without the gospel, they will spend eternity in hell. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Listen, we must be aware that without the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ Listen, our morally good neighbors, our morally good co-workers will spend eternity in hell. Our, our wretched in our, in our thinking, or we're all wretched without Christ, but, but in our culture today, the, the wretched neighbor who's struggling, without the gospel, they will spend eternity in hell. Apostle Paul Never lost all of God. Never lost all of God's grace. He never lost all of the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 14. Listen to what he says. To the Jew and to the Gentile, to the legalist and to the one who's just would be considered lower than a dog in their culture that day. Listen to what he says. For if you, either one of you, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He goes on, he says, one who believes, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Apostle Paul points back to Scripture. He says, for the Scripture says, everyone who believes on him will, be, will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. In our culture today, there's no, there's no distinction, distinction in God's eyes between that person that's struggling with legalism and that person who's struggling with the dregs of society. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone, verse 13 says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
It's what motivated Paul. He said, man, Titus, listen, I'm going to send Artemis, and I'm going to, or I'm going to send Tychicus, one of them. I'm going to send them to you. Church that's hearing this, I want you to, I want you to hear that, that, that another one is coming. But I also want you to send Titus. There's work to be done. The gospel has to be spread. People need to hear the gospel. The Jew needs to hear the gospel. The Gentile needs to hear the gospel. There is work to be done. That's what the Apostle Paul, it's his passion behind this. You know, I pray that it would be our growing passion as well. Listen, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 14. Primarily verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Good news for only those who hear it. You get that? If they don't hear it, it's it's not good news for them. It's only good news if they hear it. Now look at verse 14. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul, still amazed by the gospel, look at what he says. How then, how can they call on him, the Jew and the Gentile, how can they call on him that they have not believed in him? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Now listen, that's not the, that's not the paid vocational pastor position. How can, they, how can they hear without someone preaching, someone proclaiming the gospel? They can't. And so the good news is only good news to those who hear. Apostle Paul is saying, this is why we send. This is why we receive with loving, open arms missionaries. This is why we send them out. Because the gospel must be shared. People know that there is a God. They just look at creation and they know that there's a God. Look, every single culture is worshiping something. We're created worshipers. We're created to worship something. And it doesn't matter where you go in the world, somebody is worshiping something. They're worshiping a tree, a frog, a monkey, a sun, something. Soccer? (laughs) Pick on soccer. They know there's a God. And because they have that knowledge, they are accountable to that knowledge. The Apostle Paul says, we must go. We must sin. He's given us this wonderful, wonderful model. Listen, church, we cannot lose our awe of God's grace. We cannot lose our awe of God's gospel. We cannot forget what it was like to be lost individually. We can't, we can't forget that. I remember as a 10-year-old boy, I don't know how bad I was. I'm pretty sure I was bad for a 10-year-old boy. But I was lost, headed for hell. But Jesus Christ saved me. I remember that. I don't remember the exact day. I remember the year. I remember how old I was. I don't remember the message that was preached, but I remember being convicted of my sin. I remember that sin separating me from God. Oh, we can't lose our awe of God. We can't lose our awe of God's gospel. We must do all we can individually and as a church to call out the need for missionaries, to raise up 
the next generation of missionaries. I want to be a little bit cautious here because I don't want you to think that missions is just for the young people, the teenagers. Missions is for all of us, every single one of us. Just this couple of months ago or a month or so ago, listened to uh, the IMB, International Mission Board. They're, they're sending celebration. And here was a couple in their late 50s who had been on the mission field and retired and built their own home, their retirement home. This is the place where they were going to, you know, enjoy their grandchildren, enjoy the, the golden years, if you will. And after about two and a half years, they said, no, we can't do this anymore. We're going back to the mission field. Almost every single mission sending celebration, you hear of a story similar to that. Some who have spent years in the corporate world, retire from the corporate world, and get a burden on their heart for lost people around the world, and they are sent. So we must do all we can to raise up the next generation of missionaries, no matter what your age is. So, biblically healthy church is a missionary sending and receiving church. Point number two, biblically healthy church is a missionary supporting church. A missionary supporting church. Look at what he says in verse 13. He uses this word, this powerful word, diligently, earnestly, if you will, eagerly, with intense effort, Titus, diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. The Apostle Paul is saying, man, these two people, I want you to work with all that you have. I want you to muster up as much support as you can to help them on their journey. These two people, we don't know a whole lot. We don't know actually anything about Zenos. Again, I think we see this this, uh, discipleship uh, example here, like a Paul Timothy between between Zenos and Apollos. Don't know that for sure because we don't have all of the details. But these are the two missionaries, more than likely, these are the two who delivered the letter to Titus that we're reading today, Zenos and Apollos. They would have been sitting there listening as Titus read this letter to to these first Christians in this church. They would have been sitting there listening to this as it was read for the very first time. Apollos. We don't know much about Zenos, but Apollos, he was a powerful, powerful preacher based on Scripture, the other Scriptures that we read about him. Listen, listen to the instruction that Paul gives Titus. And this is as valid for us today as the day it was written. Listen to what it says. Verse 14, let our people That's people who have been saved by the grace of God. That's the identification. Let our people learn. It is the same, that word learn in in the Greek is the same root word as disciple. Let them be disciple. Let Let them join in on the process. Encourage them strongly. Learn to devote themselves to good works. And here's the key phrase I wanted you to mark down. For 
pressing needs. Here's the Apostle Paul. He said, man, I'm showing you this, this mission model, this powerful mission model of sending and receiving, now supporting. I want you to disciple them. I want them to be learners, to devote themselves to the good works of, of sending and receiving and supporting missionaries. And I want them to see that there are pressing needs so that, this is key right here, so that they will not be unfruitful. Let's go back to a sports team. A football team practices individually, practices a team. But they game if they never get out of the huddle, right? Doesn't matter how good the play is, the coach calls. If they never break huddle, they'll never win a game. And the Apostle Paul, here's the breaking the huddle. Learn to devote yourself to good works. There's a practice for the pressing needs. Recognize the lostness all around you. There is pressing needs all around us so that you will not be unfruitful, a.k.a. so they won't just be comfortable in the huddle. That's the picture. The Apostle Paul is saying here, listen, there are pressing needs for the advancement of the gospel like never before. I want to show you, I want, just think about that statement. There are pressing needs for the advancement of the gospel like never before. Do you know there are lost people on the planet today? There are more lost people on the planet today than there was when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter. And the Apostle Paul was writing with urgency, knowing that Jesus Christ could return at any moment, believing that He would return in His lifetime. And there's more lostness today Literally, that means, hear me, that means that there are people who, one, that we're most familiar with, they've heard the gospel and they have chosen to reject it. But there are people today who have never heard the gospel. They have never heard of the love of Jesus Christ, that He, is, that he leads them to the God that they are looking for. That He is the very Son of God that they are looking for. And without the gospel, they will spend eternity in hell. I want to share a couple of videos with you. And I want you to just, I want you to hear the details. The first one is from a man by the name of Doug Hickson. He is over our state Convention, Southern Baptist of Texas, in the area, his area of ministry is in church planting primarily. And I want you to hear the numbers because they are staggering. I want you to, I just want you to key in on the pressing need right here in our own backyard. So turn your attention to the screen. Watch this. Good morning, Pastor Russ and First Baptist Church. I'm so honored to be able to bring a report to you. My name is Doug Hickson, and I am the Missions and Church Planning Director for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. I get the honor of using your uh, cooperative program dollar support to be able to do the work here in Texas. Through the cooperative program giving and the money from the Reach Texas offering, we're able to help plant churches across the state of Texas. God is doing an incredible work, and we're, we have multiple church plants going on in all different places 
places across our state. The need is at an unprecedented level. Our state population is at 28.5 million. Statistics tell us that 19.5 million of those do not know Christ or are involved in a local church. And so the need is great. The growth is happening at an incredible rate. 2,700 people move to Dallas-Fort Worth every week. 1,750 people move to Houston every week. 1,000 people move to Austin. So the growth is happening. We, we know of 300 people groups speaking over 400 languages in our state. So the world is moving to Texas. And so we get the opportunity to help plant new churches. Why plant new churches? Because not only is the lostness need so great, but also new churches reach more lost people by average. Uh, they baptize more people. They're they're engaging the loss in a different way than some some established churches are. And so it's not that we don't need one and we do need the other. We need both. We need strong established churches, and we need to be planting new churches in areas that have a great need. We not only plant churches in these large population centers that I m- mentioned, but we are also planting churches in small towns. We we have different language works going on in Hispanic and and Korean and other different languages reaching different people groups. Um, and so it's it's really exciting to see what God is doing in areas like El Paso or in McAllen in the Rio Grande Valley or in small ta- towns in East Texas where God is moving in an incredible way. And so we're really excited about what the future looks like, but that all depends upon how you help us do that. So the greatest way that I always say is that you can be involved by praying. Pray for our church planters. Pray for their families. They make great sacrifices to be doing what God has called them to do. Also consider how you can be involved in that encouragement or even serving. I I love the heart of your church that's so focused on missions, and I'm so thankful that you guys are already leaning into what God is doing in Texas. So continue to do what you're doing. Pray earnestly and then give sacrificially so that God can continue to give us the resources we need to help churches in Texas plant churches. That's the reality. Nobody's coming to Texas to plant churches for us. Texas churches plant Texas. Texas churches. So maybe God is calling you to uh, help on mission. Be willing to do that. Maybe God is calling you to be a church planter or to move to be a part of a church plant in one of these strategic areas that God has moved. Whatever God is leading on your heart, be a part of that. Be active and believe that God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm so thankful to serve you and to be a part of what God is doing in Texas. I look forward to a great future as God is using the Southern Baptist of Texas to help reach the world for Christ. Did you hear the pressing needs right here in our own backyard? 19 and a half million people who are lost. If Jesus came back at this very moment, that's 19 and a half million people who claim lostness. How many others are claim salvation, but yet they're truly not saved? We've planted a church right here, literally in our own backyard with Casa de Dios, through the help of the Reach Texas offering, through the help of your gifts and offerings and prayer. Did you hear the numbers of the people that are moving to the Metroplex areas, to the Dallas Four Thousands of people a week moving to Dallas and to Austin and to Houston. We need to be about sending, receiving, and supporting. And we are, I want to encourage us to do even more. There is a pressing need right here in Texas. I want to show you another video. This is from our North American Mission Board. The North American Mission Board is, is uh, well, I'll let them uh, tell you the, the, 
the main part, but just this is, this is our, our mission-sending agency for North America. Watch this and listen again for the pressing needs. Every Sunday morning, you hit snooze. Once, maybe twice. You blow dry, you button down, you buckle up squeeze into your Sunday best. You keep your hands and feet and neckties in the car at all times. You come early. You run late. You sing. You listen. You preach. You pray. And then you go. And wherever you are led to go, wherever you dream of going, we are there. We are the North American Mission Board. With tools, with training, with two different pathways, we connect you and your church to your next missional opportunity. When you want to welcome a refugee who's lonely, when you want to rescue a teenager who's trafficked, or feed a man who's hungry, when you want to care for a child who's neglected, rebuild a home that's flooded. Send Relief gives you and your church real-life opportunities to learn and do. In places where churches are not, where the population is big, but the gospel influence is small, where missionaries are called to start something from nothing. Send Network gives resources and training and support. And Send Network connects your church with church planners so that together, you can change the world. There are thousands of them. Church planning missionaries, send relief missionaries, in big cities and small towns, feeding and teaching and loving, planning 25 churches every single Sunday and baptizing thousands of new believers every single year. They give their lives, and you give your treasure. You send these missionaries out into the world when you and your church sacrificially give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering and the cooperative program. And there are thousands more chaplains in foxholes and police cars and hospitals and workplaces. They all need you. And you need them. Because outside the four walls of your church, where they are, that's where you are at your best. Every believer really can one day live on mission. You and your church just need the very best tools to make it happen. That's why we exist. That's why we create resources like the three circles. Because whether it's an evangelism tool you download to your phone, or a compassion ministry our Send Relief experts help you launch, or a new church you help start through the Send Network, everything we do is centered on helping you and your church share the gospel. That's why we all do what we do every Sunday morning and every day after that. So as you pray, as you go, and as you discover what living on mission looks like in your world, the North American Mission Board is here for you. And hearing these stories just make me 
excited to be a Christian. It makes me proud uh, to be a Southern Baptist, to see the work that is being done in our church as a part of the Reach Texas uh, uh, efforts and a part of the North American Mission Board efforts. But listen, we must continue. We must increase. We must do more. Did you hear some of the statistics? 25 Southern Baptist churches are started every single Sunday. And there needs to be many, many, many more than that with the growth of North America. 80% of the U.S. population lives in large urban cities. That the North American Mission Board, with their church planning, that is where they are focusing most of their efforts. Listen, these cities, these large urban cities are primarily lost without Christ. There's a pressing need right here in North America. I know you know that. We watch the news and you can see the depravity of mankind, right? It makes us sick, makes us want to turn off the news. And I understand that. I, I get that. But may it also birth inside of us a compassion to share the gospel with them. That because without it, I've said it already, but I've got to say it again, without the gospel, without receiving the good news of Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. Let me show you one more video. This is from Jillian. Uh, Jillian is one of our IMB, International Mission Board Missionaries. This is a young lady that we have personally been able to work with on the mission field in Colombia. Uh, watch, her, watch her short video. Hi, BC Farwell. My name is Jillian Nash, and I'm an IMB missionary in Colombia. I'm here on the North Coast working with the Sanu People Group. And our primary uh, methodology that we use with them is storying because they're an oral people. And so we share Bible stories with them and they in turn share with others. And so that is the primary way in which we, we share the gospel with them. Um, as you can tell, it's really hot. I'm really sweating. Um, I'm out here on their land where they have planted a plant called Caña Flecha which is a, like a, a reed type of plant that they dye and weave to make hats, jewelry, different things. Um, I think Russ or Kim maybe have some of these items. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting them last year and just appreciate your prayer for the work we're, we're participating in for the Sanu. Um, a, a big prayer request we have is for the Caña Flecha project, that it will rain um, because right now they're carrying water out here on donkeys and they just um, got a pump. So they're pumping it out of a pond um, just to supply water to this plant. So if you could please pray that it would rain, that the harvest um, would be plentiful, that they can earn an income in this way, and also that they can use um, this as a, as a way to tell Bible stories to other Sanu who are working with them in the Caña Flecha and who are weaving with them. Thank you for your prayers and send y'all lots of love and warm greetings from Colombia. Ciao. I'm not sure where she's from, but I'm guessing the South. Jillian is a wonderful, wonderful young lady. I want you to turn in your bulletin. I want you to turn in your bulletin um, over on the back or the inside far right. This is the people that she is working with. 
You can see some of the products that they're making from the, the Kanya Fletcher, the plant that she was talking about. But I want to give you some statistics. Look at what it says. There's 263 Sanu. This isn't 263,000 people in Colombia. This is one people group. This is one indigenous Indian tribe, the Sanu. 263,000 people. If you look down at the very bottom, there's what it says. Some church planting efforts are occurring in this group, but it is less than 2% evangelical. 263,000 people, less than 2% of them claim faith in Jesus Christ. That means this, if Jesus was to come back at this very moment, 257,740 Sanu people would die and spend eternity in hell. You say, well, what does that have to do with the Kanye Fletcher plant? What does that have to do with it raining? Because as the Kanye Fletcher plant grows and as they're able to harvest it, the women who are Christian in this in this uh, tribe, this specific tribe that Jillian is working with, they take that plant and they start making jewelry with it. They invite other women from the community to sit in and make jewelry with them. It is a form of, of uh, income for their families. And as they're making the jewelry, they are sharing the gospel. Last year when we were in Colombia, we got to meet a young lady who, as she was making jewelry, gave her life to Jesus Christ. And the bracelet that she was making at the time, as she was hearing the gospel for the very first time in her own language, she gave that bracelet to Kim. Remarkable, remarkable work that's going on there in Colombia. That is one people group. The International Mission Board, some of their statistics says that there are 4.2 billion people, 4.82, listen, who have no access to the gospel. 4.82 billion who are waiting for someone to come and share the gospel. We currently have 3,623 missionaries all around the world, and we need more. We need more who are willing to learn the languages. We need more that are willing to go internationally and share the gospel. Listen, there is a pressing global need. Listen to what Paul is saying to Titus. He's saying it to us. Let our people, Christians, this is up to us. This isn't up to the, to, the, to the lost world. This is up to us. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for the pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. May we as a church not be unfruitful. May we as individuals be, uh, not be unfruitful. Listen, we support this, the Reach Texas offering. We support the, the North American Mission Board. We support the international missions. We support another missionary in India. We are involved as a church. And I want you to know that the decision that is made for us to give part of your tithes is not just a, a simple decision that's made by the leadership. It's not a simple decision that's made just by the Budget and Finance Committee. It is a command of God that our church is being faithful to. But I'm telling you, there is always room for more. Our church on average, if we average about 125 people, our church on average gives about 30 to 40 cents per person per week over the course of a year to missions. 
How easy would it be for each one of us to double and triple that without even a blink of an eye for us to give a dollar a week individually, two dollars a week individually. To see the gospel expand right here in our own backyard all across North America and the world. Listen, we have missionaries literally all over the world. The sun never sets on missions and ministry of Southern Baptists, but it is a drop in the bucket. Yes, we're all over the world, but we need to be in more specific areas translating the good news of Jesus Christ. Where do the missionaries come from? Where does the money? Money comes from the churches, local churches. But where do the missionaries come from? Missionaries come from the same place the money comes from, the local churches. And I am praying that there is someone here in our church, I'm praying that there are those in our church that we could raise up to say, man, these are the missionaries that we are sending out from our church to go somewhere to share the gospel where there are lost people. Listen, I I believe there's three things we need to do. Number one, this is, we can all do the first one. We must rearrange our schedules to pray and seek the face of God and ask Him to give us a burden for the lostness in our community, our state, our nation, in the world. But it's going to take rearranging some schedules. Not a lot for us to pray on a daily basis. For us to pray for our missionaries. Listen, every single week in your bulletin, I don't know if you just have, have maybe, maybe you see this, maybe you don't, but every single week there's going to be a mission highlight. There has been for some time now a mission highlight. Somebody that you can pray for that will give you statistics. We will rotate these from international missionaries, North American missionaries, and those in, right here in the state of Texas, different church planters. Number one, rearrange your schedule so that we can pray. Number two, we must rearrange our personal finances so that each member of this church can give to the advancement of the gospel locally and globally. Number one, rearrange your schedules to pray. Number two, rearrange our finances to be able to give. We, have, we, have, we are a culture that is so burdened down financially that when, when something so pressing as lostness comes across our screen, we want to help, we have a desire to help, but we just can't financially. It is going to take, it is going to take us purposefully, intentionally rearranging our finances to go, man, what can I do a little bit less with so that someone can hear the gospel? Being able to see, listen, I'm telling you, this was absolutely incredible. Let me just go back to the Sanu. The Sanu, they sell this, um, uh, this jewelry. They sell the just different things that they, that they make. They're different arts and crafts so that they can go on mission so that they can go to other Sanu tribes that are deeper into the jungle that won't let Americans go, go to, won't even let people in Colombia, the, the Colombian nationals, go into their tribes. But they have a burden. They already These are young Christians, people who have only been a Christian for, for four or five years. This is their passion. Last year when we were in Colombia, getting to see some of the younger Christians who knew Spanish and knew the Sanu language, and, and there was other Indian tribes there, they were translating the Bible 
word for word from Spanish into the Sanu language. And they were hearing it for the very first time in their language. We got to help them last year through our Vacation Bible School offering. And we have products on a table out there we've had for over a year now that people will buy from time to time. Some of the crafts that they make from this Kanye Fletcher goes back to them, and they're able to use that for minutes. It's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. We must rearrange our schedules to pray. We must rearrange our finances to be able to give. And then third, it's both. We must rearrange our schedules, and we must rearrange, rearrange our finances so that we can go. Rearrange our schedules, rearrange our finances so that we can go. Listen, a Christian who is physically capable to go to a neighbor or go around the world what must recommit themselves to saying, Lord, here am I, send me. We must be willing to do that. If you remember Isaiah, as he has that vision of God, as he's ushered into the throne room of God, he sees the holiness, he sees the righteousness of God, and immediately he sees his sin, but then he sees the grace of God come and cleanse him from his sin, and then his eyes are open to lost people who are struggling with the same sin that he is struggling with, and God says, I need someone to go and tell them about my love. And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Oh, we need to. Rebirth that passion that Isaiah had and the Apostle Paul has. Why? Listen, people must hear the warning. The warning is this, we've all sinned. The, the wage of that sin is death. It's eternal death. They, they don't only need to hear the warning, they also need to hear about the gift. God's given us His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. They need to hear the warning. They need to hear the gift of Jesus Christ. Oh, may we be a church. We are a church. Listen, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't want to sound like we're not doing it. We are, we are being faithful. I believe that we can grow in this area as a church corporately and individually. Most definitely we can grow in mission-sending efforts. There are pressing needs all around us. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.